Bibles this evening, let's begin in Mark, the sixth chapter, Mark chapter six, amen, and um, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, so Mark chapter six, and um, we'll look at a passage here uh, as we begin this evening, Mark chapter six, we've been talking about the importance of giving God the place in our lives that He deserves. And um, I don't see Joshua tonight. He may, he may be here tonight, but um, uh, Joshua's a, I just call him a longtime friend here at the church and hasn't been here in quite some time. He was here this morning and just the Lord really touched his life. And he had stopped at a convenience store on his way in and the, and the clerk there knew him and, you know, I think I'm getting the story at least close to right. Um, and uh, it's basically she asked him, you know, what are you doing up so early or heading out so early? And, and he said, I'm going to church. And she said, I didn't know you were a Christian. He said, oh, yeah. He said, I, I'm a Christian. He said, I just haven't been giving God the place in my life he deserves. That's what he told the clerk, right? And so then, you know, obviously the Lord had uh, all of our numbers this morning, but... Um, but uh, the Lord, of course, was really speaking to our brother, and, and I believe he's speaking to all of us um, about giving him the place in our lives that he deserves. And what we're seeing in the scriptures is that Jesus is ready and willing to, to get busy in our lives, doing things in our lives that we, first of all, need him to do, but also in some cases, even desperate for him to do. And I think more times than not, um, we're missing out because we, we're wanting him to, to do something that we really haven't given him place in our lives to do. And so um, it's a lot. We're going to talk about this for the next week or so at least. But um, tonight I want to kind of zero in on exactly why that's the case. So uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. This is when Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us. So they were offended at him. All right, so just real quick, um, it may be obvious for some of you, but want to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, Mary was Jesus' mother. She gave birth to him. But he was fathered by the Holy Spirit. And we know that Joseph and Mary were engaged to be married when she became pregnant. And he was going to, uh, you know, basically just walk away from the relationship, but not make any big deal about it. In other words, he could have, you know, legally take, taken legal action against her. It's, it's, their cultures and customs are, are similar, but in a lot of ways different from ours. But he decided not to do that. But if you remember, the Lord appeared to him and spoke to him and confirmed, 
you know, that she had indeed become impregnated by the Holy Spirit. So after Jesus was born, they then consummated their marriage and they had other children. So I'm not a big fan of the term step or half-brother, step-brother, that sort of thing, but, but these were Jesus' half-brothers in the sense that Mary gave birth to them, but Joseph fathered these others. Now, one of the more notable half-brothers of Jesus was James, who wrote um, the epistle of James in the New Testament. And it's interesting that, that Jesus' family really did not, believe, when I say family, his, his brothers, um, they really did not believe that he was the Messiah. Um, we even see on occasion where there were folks laying in wait to, to attack Jesus and kill him. And, you know, they're like, why don't you just go on up there and get it over with, you know? And, and we see in other places where there was, Jesus was present ministering and there was a large crowd of people and they sent folks in and asked Jesus to come outside, you know, trying to kind of rein him in a little bit. So it wasn't until after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead that, that James was born again, that James believed that he was indeed um, the Son of God, not just his half-brother. And, and so when he talks about coming home to his hometown of Nazareth and the way he was received and the things that were said, that's, that's what's being talked about here. Verse 3 is, not, is this not, not the carpenter? the son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us. That next phrase, so they were offended at him. They were offended at him. Now, we've looked at a passage out of Matthew 10 for the last few weeks. I don't necessarily want us to turn back there tonight, but what Jesus says in Matthew 10 is that if you do not love him more than your family, that you're not worthy of him. And as we said this morning, it's not that Jesus is telling you to love your family less, but it's him telling you to love him more. The Bible says to honor your father and your mother, and that word honor means to give them a place of respect, a place of honor. Uh, over you in your life. And so Jesus is not telling us to dishonor our father and our mother. He's just simply saying to honor him more, to not let their traditions and, and the, the things that they've held on to, to be a stronger voice or to have more influence over you than his voice and his influence. So we see then that there are two options, if you will, that I believe the Holy Spirit's breathing on or emphasizing tonight, and that is offended at Him versus worthy of Him. Are you seeing this? Worthy of Him or offended at Him, offended because of Him. Now, this word or this phrase, they were offended at Him, it, it means that they disagreed 
with basically what others were saying and, and literally within the definition of this word in the Greek language is a rejection. They were offended. They, they did not believe uh, who he really was and because of that rejected him. Verse 4, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his own house. And so, again, that word honor there has to do with the place that the people would give to him. Now, also this morning, we looked in Matthew 10 where Jesus said, that if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive that prophet's reward. And we pointed out that God has always chosen from among people, um, certain people that He would gift or equip. Basically, God would, will choose a man or a woman give something to that man or woman to then give uh, to everybody else. Uh, and so when God would choose a prophet, you know, he, would, he would choose you know, someone from a city, from a family. And, um, and many times, uh, those who grew up with that person, who knew that person, never could accept that person for who God said they were. In other words, they would never give that person place in their lives as a prophet. And it's, it's what we see happening in, Ma in Mark 6 with Jesus. He's like, hold, hold on a second. You know, you're, you're the carpenter. You're, you, we grew up with you. We know you. And, and, and so it became an offense to them. It became um, a stumbling uh, uh, block. In other words, they, in, instead of allowing Jesus to, to come to them and, and bless them, um, they stumbled over him and, and wound up tripping and falling. Verse 5, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Okay, there's a few things that I want to comment on here, and then we're going to move to another passage. <clears throat> their refusal to give Jesus the place in their lives that He was worthy of, that He deserved, prevented Him from being able to do mighty works among them. And so, what we see here is a spiritual law. And what that spiritual law is basically saying is that in order to receive from someone that which Father God has given to them for you, you have to give that person the right place in your life. If you refuse to give them that place, it, it disables them. It, it's, I want to make sure, and I don't want to get stuck here, but... I want to, man, please bring your hearts to attention and hear this. 
in a simple way of looking at this, you know, we think, well, Jesus just got mad at him and didn't do anything. It, it, it doesn't say he didn't. It doesn't say he wouldn't. It says that he couldn't. Their attitude towards him, their response, the place that they refused to give him. It's, let, let, let me say it another way. It's not that they didn't give him a place. They didn't give him a place that he was worthy of. They gave him a place that was equal to them on the same level as them. Um, we could say it this way, horizontal to them. Now, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Hold your hand right here. We're going to come back to this. But go with me to James chapter 1, please. James chapter 1 and verse number 17. I want you to see this. Some of you may want to mark this verse in your Bible. James 1 and 17. James 1 and 17. Can we do some teaching tonight? Are you okay? All right, James 1 and 17. It says this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from below. Is that what it says? No, it says it's from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Not most, not some, but every good, every good, every good gift and every perfect gift. Now that word perfect there doesn't just mean a gift without a flaw, but that word perfect has to do with something that's complete, something that, that is all-encompassing. So... Every good thing, every uh, completed thing has come down from the Father of lights into your life. He did not say it comes up from, nor did He say it comes from across to, but it comes down from. Are you seeing this? So, the blessings of God, the favor of God, the, 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 the good things that Father God has for you, and, and for that matter, are already given to you if you're a born-again person, those things flow from Him down from Him to you. Okay. Now, when it comes to the things that He has given to other people to then give to you, if you're not willing to give that person a place over you, then what He has given to that person to give to you cannot continue to flow downward to you. See, if you put Jesus on the same level as you, everything He has for you is flowing downward from Him into your life. But if you're not beneath Him, if you don't put Him over you and put yourself underneath Him, then what He has for you can't flow from Him, from God the Father, through Him into you. Are you seeing this? If you put yourself in a position over Him, same problem. What He has for you flows from God the Father through Jesus to you. Amen. 
So if you're not willing to give Him place in your life above you, then it shuts off God's ability for His goodness to flow from Him through Jesus to you. Are you seeing this? Let's, um, let's, let's do this. I know I got you in Mark 6. Let's go over to um, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We'll come back to Mark 6. Mark 6 is easy enough to find. You don't have to keep holding your hand there. 1 John chapter 2. Let's go there. Thank you, Jesus. 1 John chapter 2. And um, let's go with verse number 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1. He says this, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, that word propitiation, that, that literally means that Jesus took the wrath of God that you deserve, that I deserved, He took that wrath for us. He took our punishment. He took our sentence. Because God is a just God, He can't just sweep sin under the rug. A, a sin has been committed, a price must be paid, and the penalty for sin is death. And so God the Father allowed Jesus to come and be our substitute and take the punishment of death that we deserved for us on our behalf. Amen. As the Holy Spirit spoke to us uh, sometime last year, that in order for the scales of God's eternal justice to be balanced, it had to be someone who was more undeserving than all of us combined was deserving of death, and Jesus was the only one. Amen. He didn't deserve it a trillion, trillion times more than we all did. Amen. And so his sacrifice was able to balance the scales of justice. Now it's very easy for us to talk about Jesus paying for the sins of those who have been saved. Jesus paying for the sins of those who have been born again. But notice, he says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. When Jesus died on the cross... The Bible says in Hebrews that He was one sacrifice for all sin for all time. So Jesus has literally paid for the sins of the whole world. He has taken the blame and the punishment for every sin that will ever be committed on planet earth, past, present, and future. So there is no sin that has been or ever will be committed on planet earth that has not been paid for. So does that mean everybody is born again and going to heaven? No. Because unless you give Jesus place in your life as Savior, the forgiveness that He has, the redemption that He has for you, cannot flow from Him into you. In other words, for a man to be saved, for a woman to be saved, we have to come beneath Jesus and give Him place in our lives as our Savior in order for His sacrifice on your behalf to apply or count where you're concerned. 
If you're not willing to do that, then He is not able to save you even though He has already done everything necessary to save you. Are you seeing this? Now, if you can see this, you can see it also in all the other things that He came to do for you. He came to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. But unless you're willing to give Him place in your life as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, He is not going to be able to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. It's only what you give Him place uh, in your life to do for you that He's able to do for you. It has nothing to do with willingness. If it had anything to do with willingness, Jesus would have only paid for the sins of people who would one day be willing to be saved. He paid for everybody's sins so that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, whosoever gives Him that place in their lives above Him, He can let that salvation flow into their lives like healing waters. Amen. Amen. Alright, now, let's go back to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I want, I want to focus back in on it. We mentioned this briefly at the end of the message this morning, but I want to go back to verse number 2. Verse number 2, it says, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many, hearing him, were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? Question mark there. And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Exclamation point. Now, we... Holy Spirit, thank you for helping us. There, there's, something, there's something here, man. I'm telling you, the Lord's breathing on this, so let's, let's just camp here for just a minute, all right? At the end of this section, we're going to see that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Marveled at their unbelief. Now, we see on an occasion or two where Jesus marveled at someone's belief, marveled at someone's faith. But then there were other times when He was surprised I don't think it's stretching it to even go to the point of saying that he was shocked at the unbelief. Now, if, if you're amazed or marveled or astonished by something, that means you weren't necessarily expecting it. Remember, he was astonished or marveled at the centurion's faith. It's because Jesus was not expecting it. Now, you say, but He's God. He knows everything. He emptied Himself of that when He came to this earth as a man. And any time that He knew something like knew someone's thoughts, it was only because the Holy Spirit revealed it to Him. In other words, you, you could surprise Him on this earth. And, and, and so there were times that things that marveled Him or, or surprised Him. And obviously, you want to be on the side that marvels, you know, causes Him to marvel at your faith. But in this case... 
when he returns home and is received the way that he's received, refused, basically they refused to give him place, the place that, that he was worthy of, it surprised him. He, did, he wasn't expecting that. But then, of course, we see where, well, you know, the Bible does say a prophet's not without honor except among his own people, you know. And he, and he realized, well, you know, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Scripture has to say about this. Now, what I think we need to really pay close attention to here, though, is this. These people heard the words of truth that he spoke and were amazed by them. They, 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 they were like, wow. Over, over the years, I, I have on more than one occasion um, heard someone right, right off the top of my head, Bryce Hankins comes to mind. I'll never forget the first time I heard Bryce Hankins stand up and share something from the Bible. I thought, my goodness, where did that come from, right? Didn't see that coming. Had no idea that, that he had that gift in him to, to, to speak like that, to share like that. And so, you know, these were folks who grew up with Jesus. They, they knew Jesus. Remember, he did not start his earthly ministry until he was 30 years old. But they were astonished at the words of truth, the words of life that he spoke. And they also not questioning, but again, in the form of a statement, where does he get the wisdom to do the mighty works that he's done? This was not like questioning, like doubting that he did the mighty works, but it was how does he know how to heal blind people? How does he know how to, to heal crippled people? How does he know how to cast out demons? How does he know how to turn water into wine? How does he know how, right? All of these things that Jesus had been doing, it, as the Bible says, it wasn't done in a corner. It wasn't done in secret. It was done in public and people witnessed it. And so they witnessed Him doing miracles. Clearly, they witnessed Him doing miracles for other people. So, think about this now. Jesus was astonished at their unbelief, which leads me to, to question or to... In other words... How could you not believe if you saw it? How could you not believe if you heard Him speak? How could you not believe if you were present when the most educated people on planet earth tried to trick Him and embarrass Him and ask Him questions that couldn't be answered and He answered them and they're the ones that left with egg on their face. It was undeniable, and yet they still had unbelief in their heart. Not because they didn't hear Him, and not because they didn't witness the, the mighty works that He had done in other places. So we can trace the unbelief back to one root cause. A failure on their part to give Him place.
because they did not give him place, because they did not, they were not willing to say, man, hometown boy, who would have thunk it? All these years, we thought you were just Mary and Joseph's boy. All these years, we just thought that, that they slipped up before they got married and she got pregnant ahead of time. But I guess we were wrong after all about that, right? No, no, see, they wouldn't give him place. And because they wouldn't give him place, in spite of hearing him speak, in spite of witnessing him do mighty works, he was not able to do any mighty works in their lives. And you could say, well you know, because of their unbelief. But why did they have unbelief? The unbelief was because they didn't give him place. They did not give him place. All right, let me, real quick, I know I'm about out of time. Let's go, let's go to Luke chapter 7, and I'll finish right here. Luke chapter 7. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Luke chapter 7, and um, I'm going to read several verses, and then we'll just comment on a few. But verse uh, 36, let's begin at verse 36. Luke 7 and 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. All right, now before I go any further, has this Pharisee received Jesus in the name of a prophet? (laughs) He has not, no. He has not received him in the name of a prophet. The rumor is that Jesus perhaps is a prophet, and I believe one of the reasons why the Pharisee invited Jesus to his house to eat is because he was trying to figure out exactly who Jesus was exactly what was up with this guy. And so he has him into his home. But notice now, uh, and we're going to see this as, as the story unfolds, um, this, this man has not given Jesus a place of honor in his home, but has assumed a place of honor in his home above Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? I have in my notes, and I don't know how many years ago I wrote this, I, had them, I got it over on the side margin of my Bible. I wrote the words, truly see her. Truly see her. In other words, I'm not, I'm not asking you to take the time to do it now, but spend some time meditating on this, right? Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. 
You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Can I go ahead and tell you right now that we all need a lot of forgiven, okay? In other words, you, the, the, the deal here is, you know, and I, I'm not saying we shouldn't sing the songs, but, you know, these songs that I need you more, Jesus, I need you more today than I did yesterday, that's not true. Your need for Him has always been absolute. Hopefully what's happening in your life is the more you grow and the more your eyes are open, the more you're realizing your absolute need for Him. It's not that you need Him more today than you needed Him yesterday. You needed Him as much yesterday as you needed Him today. Hopefully you're just becoming a little more wise to your absolute need for Him. And so this idea that, you know, this woman had committed more sin than, than him, again, it's almost like Jesus is saying this tongue-in-cheek. You know, it's one thing to be a sinner and know that you are and know that you need a Savior. It's another thing to be a sinner and think that everything's all right, to be blinded to what's really going on in your life. All right, let me keep going here. Then he said to her, "'Your sins are forgiven.'" And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. Now, clearly what I'm wanting you to see, and I believe what the Holy Spirit is wanting us to see most importantly tonight, is, is the way... Simon the Pharisee treated Jesus and the way this woman who's simply known as a sinner treated him. Or let me say it another way. The place that Simon gave Jesus compared to the place that this woman gave Jesus. Simon, it was common courtesy to honor a guest, especially a respected guest, by washing the feet or at least providing water for them to wash their feet. For, for them to, you know, greet with a kiss. All these things, we don't necessarily, you know, meet people at our front door with a bowl of water to wash their feet. But, you know, there are customary things that we do to welcome someone into our home. And, and Simon did none of that because, again, of the place that he had given Jesus, which was a place beneath him. It, it, was, a, it was a place where he was still, like, trying to make up his mind about who Jesus was. And so, in, in, in distinct contradiction to that, here comes this woman who found out where Jesus was. She comes, she, they would have been eating in a reclining position. In other words, Jesus would have been leaning into the table with his feet behind him. And so the woman comes, and, and at Jesus' feet, she begins to cry, and the, and the tears wet his dusty feet, and, and they didn't have paved sidewalks and all that stuff like we have today. And then his wet, the tears in the mixing with the dust on his feet would have turned that to like um, almost like a, a, a slurry on his feet. And then she took down her hair and she began, she had to get down by his feet, right, so that her hair would reach. And she began to clean and wash his feet with her hair. And then she poured this probably the, the most valuable, precious possession she had, she then takes it and pours it not on his head, but on his feet. Now, again, I want you to imagine that you're there 
at that dinner table that evening. This was making people uncomfortable. Let me say it another way. This was offending some of the people who were at the table. And Simon is even saying in his heart, well, that answers that question. There's no way he's a prophet, because if he was a prophet, he would never let that woman touch him. Well, in one respect, Simon, you were right. Jesus was not just a prophet. He was the Son of the living God who had come to this earth to save the sins of the world. And we see that when she put herself in a position beneath Jesus, gave Jesus place in her life, we see that not only did forgiveness flow from Him to her, but Jesus pronounced her as the one who had received salvation long before Jesus had even gone to the cross to pay for the salvation that she was given on that particular evening. Amen. And notice now, in the same way in his hometown, where those who refused to give him place, Jesus equaled it to unbelief. Here we see a woman who gave him place and Jesus called that faith. Because she recognized who he was and the place that he was worthy of in her life, she was giving him place. And Jesus said, your faith has not only enabled me, right? Jesus came to forgive. He said, some people won't let him forgive them because they won't give him that place. Are you hearing me? Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save. Amen. And so here's a woman long before the salvation's even paid for. Because she gave him place, he was able to save her before he went to the cross. Did it on credit. Did it on credit, right? Wow. Wow. Now, the word that we have been given is that tradition shall lose its hold on my believers. That's what one of the things the Lord is saying to us this new year. What this lady did was not a traditional response. Are you following me? In other words, it's traditional to wash the feet. It's traditional to dry the feet. It's traditional to, um, to greet with a kiss. It's traditional to anoint the head. But she blew all of that out of the water. She went as far over the top as you can imagine someone going. All in an effort to do what? Give Jesus the place that he was worthy of. Give Jesus the place in her life that he was worthy of. Amen. Stand with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Sister Dot, that, that word about tradition shall lose its hold on my believers, I've... I, I've had it in my notes for weeks. I don't know exactly when we're going to get there. Um, but just to let you know from confirmation that the Lord began to speak to me some time ago about tradition and its hold on so many people. And, and um, 
Tradition is what keeps people from giving the Lord the place, right? Amen. That He deserves. Amen. Father, as we stand before You this evening, we just want to say thank You for loving us. Thank You for the things that You've given to us. Thank You, Father, for stirring our hearts once again this evening. Lord, as we look at the new year ahead and the things that we want to do better and we want to focus on, Lord, may may anything and everything, Lord, that would be on any kind of list of resolutions or, or goals or whatever we want to call them, Father, may all of those things come second to what I believe you're saying needs to be the number one priority, Lord, of our lives, of our families, and of this family of faith in this new year, and that is to give you the place that you deserve in our lives. Father, thank you for the oneness that Jesus came to make available for each of us. And I thank you, Father, that it's only when we're willing to give him that place that we're able to experience and enjoy that level of fellowship. So, Father, I just release blessing upon every person under the sound of my voice right now. I thank you, Father, that um, your Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us into the truth that, that each of us need. Lord, we're at different places as far as our maturity, and some have been saved a long time and have grown. Others are just new to all of this. And, and yet, Father, your Holy Spirit is able to take each one of us by the hand and lead us and guide us into that next step of truth, that next level of understanding. Um, and, and Lord, as we grow uh, from faith to faith, Lord, we thank you for just a tremendous year of fruitfulness um, for your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you so much for being here this evening. You're a blessing.